0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Low Blessing Game, and I am your host. And today I am here with Scott Drockelman, also known as Scott Drockletown. Ooh, Drockletown. Drockletown. Uh, we are here to talk about what
1: we have a Wonderful Q&A for today. Four signs you might be a love addict. So I know this is something we have talked about this being a part of your past. The love addiction piece. One of the the cross addictions popping up in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's popping. So I guess what it means really is just like a lot of love of like sort of gondola rides
0: yeah gondolas are really
1: and um spaghetti noodles where you where you end with one piece of pot you know stuff like that that's kind of what we're talking
0: about yeah you got (laughs) the nail on the knot head um yeah that is those can be addictions Uh uh-huh those can be addictions. We call them other things, but sure. um, yes. The, <laughs> what uh, do we so call them,
1: by the way? <laughs>
0: gondola rides would be compulsive gondola riding, pasta would be overeating. No. So a love addict is someone who has an unhealthy dependency on romantic relationships or the feeling of being in love. So I do want to say that. When we talk about love addicts, like and feeling in love, it's kind of tricky here because love in this context does not necessarily mean that you're in a committed, monogamous relationship. It doesn't mean that you actually have the depth of love that you might have for someone else. So like it can be love adjacent or, you know, something approximating love or infatuation. So like love addicts, they're often struggling with codependency, which is this seeking validation and self-worth through their relationships with others. But in love addiction, there's a sexual component. When we have these encounters, these feelings with people, they it's dopamine and oxytocin, right? So Romantic new romantic connections create rushes of dopamine and oxytocin, which is why those new when you're like first dating or there's new hookups are so intense because the novelty creates the dopamine and the oxytocin. And people who are love addicts, there are I'll go through like four signs that are pretty paramount to love addiction. I
1: feel like it's maybe just like one of those kind of things that said, but I've heard that the beginning of relationships that what's being released is like very comparable to like the hardest drugs. People do crazy stuff because the sensation mirrors a lot of what happens even in like the most kind of intense drug use. Accurate? Close. Close.
0: It- <laughs> Depends on the person and the drug. <laughs> listen, not everybody is going to be a, McConaughey
1: you know, two weeks in.
0: Yeah, yeah. McConaughey two weeks in. That's some Colombian hippo cocaine. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's, I mean, listen, I've had some uh, connections that were uh, some swag. some swag herb, you know? So it depends, right? Like theoretically, theoretically, yes, it can be. Certain people have that potential. All right. Here are the four.
1: Give me number one.
0: Numero uno, coming in at number one. You get your self-worth from others and are filled up by the feeling of being in a romantic relationship or connection with others. So what that means is that the majority of your self-worth comes from your ability to attract or be in romantic relationship with others. Now, number two is the inverse of is, is what happens when you don't have number one right so number two indicates to you that number one is your reality which is that you feel a sense of emptiness and or anxiety when you're not in a romantic relationship or have a romantic connection or are flirting or are talking or any of the like behaviors that are leading up to that that give you some of those chemical dumps you feel empty you feel worthless you have major anxiety you're depressed so when i say you get number 1 you get your self worth from from this these relationships sometimes the way that you know that that's what's happening is that you can't generate positive feelings if you're not in or pursuing a romantic connection, life just feels gray AF.
1: If we were tuning into that channel that's going on in your head while you're maybe in the midst of this full blown thing, maybe it's a new relationship or it's a loss of a relationship. Like, what does the what does the radio station sound like at that point?
0: It's more like um, it's more like radar. So so when you think about self worth. Self-worth is required to stay on the planet. If I have no sense of self-worth and I'm not getting it from anywhere, all the things that are involved in life, you know, the pain in the ass shit, just getting from A to B to showing up, any responsibilities are not worth it, right? Because I have to have a feeling of like this whole thing, this life is worth doing and part of how you get that is a sense of self-worth which builds on, you know, other things. So if you don't when people don't have a sense of self-worth, they really often don't feel like life is worth living. People will find self-worth through others because they're not able to generate it for themselves. So for example, they will find self-worth through ambition and achievement. They will find self-worth through their children. They will find self-worth through a romantic relationship or just any relationship. All of us look for ways to build self-worth and true self-worth, true self-esteem is an internal job. But oftentimes we use these external behaviors and things to create a solid foundation for inside. And that solid foundation, theoretically, in the best case scenario, is created when you're a child, when you're first developing your self-esteem, this unconditional sense that you are of value and worth something. If you don't have that for whatever reason, or if you lose it, you go looking for other people and to fill that void. And when you do not have that, which is comes takes us to number three in a second. When you do not have that, it's like your chest is caving in, but the radar is always looking for it and looking for the easiest opportunity. Your brain may not be saying that, but that is what's happening, right? Closest proximity, the you know, like your brain is looking. So, th- what the radio sounds like in your head when you are this person, you're struggling with this is more that it's just scanning like who the next, where the next thing's going to come from, what c- circumstance, what it's going to be. It's like trying to get the drug, right? More than anything else.
1: I think you described too, like even if there wasn't things that were like actively happening, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. were, you were kind of inventing them. Is that an accurate way of describing that? Or how I mean,
0: <laughs> just because they didn't know that we were dating... Yeah, yeah. Just because they didn't know we were dating doesn't mean it wasn't real. So a very active love addiction often finds people in domestic violence or domestic relationships because we are quick targets for people who want someone with low or no self-esteem. And we won't leave because we require this validation in order to function. To this end, what I experienced right before i i went and sought help for this specific part of you know my struggle because i couldn't stay sober which was the reason why i ended up going to treatment for love addiction so if there was not a relationship going on like if i was not in a relationship and often in treatment i you're not allowed to be in a relationship i would have non verbal interactions with people, see them at meetings, you know, whatever it was. And in those interactions, try to get interest or not even always on purpose. Like it was just the feedback I would get is you are always flirting. And I honestly didn't even see it as that. That feedback was always like, you're always flirtatious. You're always flirting. You're always whatever. And like the joke was like, you'd flirt with a tree. And (laughs) What kind (laughs) of tree? What kind of tree? right uh, let's pine. let's get it straight um, aspen yeah. tree all day uh, i'm only <laughs> into hardwoods <laughs> <laughs> um Mahogany, baby. So Mahogany. Mahogany. So Matthew, mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. The dad oh, jokes. No. Oh, no. I know. Really... stopped
1: that this season. Wow. Oh, God. This is, this I'm going to... Tra- try to bring yeah. it back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to treat it for dad jokes. So I would... Yeah, like I would be thinking if there was any kind of positive validation or feedback from the other person whenever that wasn't going on, or probably while it was going on, I was inventing scenarios or possibilities or storylines or narratives of what things were going to be. I was thinking about them, what it would be like to hook up with them when I was going to see them next. Did they think of me like just, it was like just constant fucking chatter in my head about this person. Meanwhile, like the extent of what was actually happening, like, reality real time happening was like maybe this like look and maybe like oh so and so thinks you're hot and then <laughs> right like it's like and i have gone i'm like well he's got one sibling i don't know <laughs> you know like you know just whatever like i'm thinking about all the, like the brain acti-
1: what is the one sibling thing I don't understand. I'm just thinking
0: about, like, okay, what's his birth order? Is that going to work for me? You know, like, you know, like, uh, how long has he been sober? Ah, Like, well, he did do methamphetamine. I'm kind of more of a downer. It's like, (laughs) is this going to work? This person just thinks I'm hot, you know, like, that's it. They want to have sex with me. That's like the extent of what's happening. They haven't Mm -hmm. even said they want to have sex with me. That's also something I'm assuming. And like, I can't because, and it's what it is, is it's this compulsion obsession generated around validation and self-worth. It's a way for me to occupy my mind with something that is interesting and validating and feels positive and feels good instead of working on the building blocks of self-esteem, which are hard work and not instantly rewarding and not, you know, all these things, right? So love addiction is in your head as much as it is in your actions so here's the next piece of this which is
1: give us number three
0: give you number three which all all of these are very interconnected here which is that you have a pattern of jumping from one relationship to another without taking time to process your feelings or work on your own personal growth and there's a range of what this looks like right you have serial monogamous who they go from one long-term relationship to another you have people who go from, you know, short-term relationship to long-term relationship to short-term relationship. You have people who go from, you know, short-term, 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 you have people who are in relationships, but always have someone on the back burner that they're texting with, or always have this back door open. They know who they can call the moment they feel the relationship is ending, the moment, and they know that that person will be interested. The need for that back door, the need for that validation, the need for that sense of safety that another human being's connection creates, that that validation creates, it makes sure that you always have self-worth intact. You are not going to feel empty and alone if you can help it. You are not going to feel like that level of depression and aloneness, that sweeping sense of just dread and awful, because there's always someone who's going to text you back. Oftentimes, as people get older and they get into like a long-term relationship and they're a love addict, what that'll look like is, you know, they're in a long-term relationship, whatever, but they have these side flirtations and texts or whatever, where they never actually do anything, but there's just this sense that I know where I would go if I needed to. A key piece of this is that, you know, people jump from relationship to relationship from one to the next to the next, and they don't take time in between to process, which creates number four.
1: Before that, let's just say for the person who doesn't really see the value, like, what's the point? Life's short. You you know, we should just, we should experience as many people as we can experience in different ways. Like, what is the value in this time between that you're describing?
0: When we talk about addiction or compulsive behaviors, a lot of the time we're talking about things that are fun and pleasurable that many people are able to do in a fun and pleasurable way. Take drinking, for example, or recreational drug use. Many people are able to do those things in moderation and incorporate them into their life in a way that doesn't wreak havoc. They still derive pleasure. The difference is, and forgive me for saying number four, because I can't talk about this without saying number four. Number four is that you're creating cycles of unhealthy relationships and emotional turmoil. So there are negative consequences as a result of the behavior you're picking people that are causing emotional distress you're experiencing emotional distress the idea of not having it is in and of itself an experience of emotional distress when you are alone you experience emotional distress so like it is the equivalent of the difference between an alcoholic and a person that enjoys drinking recreationally when someone is partying all the time, every time, and they have to be partying, they have to be drinking, then that is an unhealthy thing when they're like, oh, I'm with friends, but there's no alcohol here. Like, fine, that's okay. Right? So it's this ability to Have space between relationships, have space between, you know, drinking alcohol, have space between recreational drugs, whatever the thing is, gambling. When the worse the problem gets for people with love addiction, the the less space between relationships, between hookups, between all these things start to get because the discomfort of not Having that self-worth, that validation is so intense and it gets worse and worse and worse. And so you have these cycles of unhealthy relationships and emotional turmoil. Why is it important to take time between relationships, romantic relationships? Because each of those relationships Ends for a reason. It didn't work. Something happened. That interaction gives you the opportunity to change and grow. And if you are not taking the time to change and grow, you are going to create the same cycle, if not worse, every time, even if you're creating relationships that aren't meant to last a lifetime. The personal growth piece is the part where you're building self esteem so that you're attracting people who value you. And you're able to withstand life's difficulties at a different level. If you don't have that self-esteem, which I did not, then it is unbearable to not have that validation from other people. Unbearable. Being in your skin is like, you just want to tear your skin apart. And the love you get from your family or your friends, as much as they may love you, it is, it doesn't fill that void unfortunately and so when what what we say is like love addicts trade sex for love again i'm using love as like the validation love is validation here like it's not you know pure perfect romantic marriage whatever as validation and sex addicts a person who experiences intense and compulsive urges to engage in sexual behavior Despite negative consequences, that person trades love, gives love for sex. Sex and love addiction kind of go hand in hand and back and forth, and people swing from one to the other. And to, it's important to note also that having a strong sex drive or strong desire or enjoying sex doesn't mean you're a sex addict. It is characterized by out of control sexual behavior or causes distress or impairment in your life. So, in both of these cases, there are consequences as a result of the behavior. With love addiction, I see a lot of women and men, but women in particular, they they just always go, they're hopping from relationship to relationship. They're not taking the time to fix whatever went wrong in the last one, even though they think they are. They're like, I know what happened in the last time. And they go out and they pick another person and they think that, because this person seems nothing like the other person that they were with, that that that's whatever it is. But doing that work in between and building a a foundation of self-esteem is critical to stopping the cycle and having something real that's lasting. And it's extremely painful to go through that period of aloneness. Like, to experience that but it was for me when i went to treatment to do this work so i went to i went to the meadows in arizona for um love and sex addiction one of the things that they had me do was date myself right that was like a big part of this like if you want to be someone you know worth dating you need to date yourself and and do all the things right so when i got out of treatment i did that i took myself to a movie i like I, which i had never done i never gone to a movie by myself i took myself to dinner with a book which was so uncomfortable but then it was like fantastic i was like this is great i'm going to sushi i don't have to argue with you about where you want to go or where you want to do like i did all these things with myself and and it was of course extremely uncomfortable at first and then it was like this is dope i'm dope i can do this like i get to (laughs) pick the movie for myself whatever and what is of so one of the things that i did this was not in the instructions i was improvising as you can imagine was I bought myself a diamond ring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you
1: were worth it. You know, you got to put a ring. I mean, that's true. You got to put a ring on yourself. You know, you got it. I
0: did. I did. And I did it in the first six months of this experiment. So I'd like everybody to know. I felt wow, very good about... Wow, you popped yeah.
1: a question in six I did, months. I,
0: I know. That I had know. to
1: be a whirlwind romance.
0: It was. It was a whirlwind whirlwind romance. I still have this ring and it is a full-on engagement ring. Like it is an engagement ring. It is. I I still have it because it's just like such an Ashley ridiculous teenage you know 19 year old move there's highlights to this dating yourself thing if if you're a good catch so that was part of it right learning to be in your own skin and that allows you to number one be more attractive and this is the the secret ingredient right is also healthier people will be attracted to you That's not something you can fake, at least for very long. Like healthier people are attracted to people with self-esteem. You are going to attract a different group of people. So as I built self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, I attracted healthier and healthier people and became less attractive to people who wanted someone who derived all their validation from that person. It wasn't an overnight success, let me tell you. Like there were plenty of, you know works and progress on the way. But ultimately, the progress that I made, albeit incremental, was important enough for me to experience validation and self-worth and love enough that I wasn't willing to just hop from relationship to relationship. And ultimately, I've been able to maintain a monogamous, which, you know, I laugh because that was not easy for me to do. Um, a monogamous relationship. I think I've been with my husband in a relationship with my husband for 14 years and we've been married for, I think it'll be eight this year. So like that's, I'm throwing up some big ass numbers. You think, you think, you think you think my sobriety is a long time? Um, you know, so like that was not even in the question for a person like me. I had like, Six numbers I call at any given time. I would like the record to reflect I have zero numbers to call. Zero, <laughs> zero <laughs> numbers. No numbers. No one, no one that I am aware of that I could call and be like, "Hey, I don't have that." So my self worth has to be has to be intact. It's work that I have done that I had to do, and for me, I could not stay sober until I did this work, because that feeling of being empty and anxious without that, I would do anything to overcome it. And if I couldn't overcome it, or if it got too much, or if I wanted to stop and I couldn't, I would eventually drink or use because it was just too painful. That was when I was relapsing in treatment because they kept calling me out. They're like, yo, you can't, they would put me, they put me on this, um, you know, these concepts, I was 17 at, at this time. And uh, they would put me on what's called topsy-turvy where they would make you go to the thrift store and they would make you put your head, your hair in a bun on top of your head, like like completely, uh-huh. you know, hairsprayed or whatever. Not, a, you know, just like this. They would buy you like all these clothes from the, the thrift store that were like, I mean, the worst looking <laughs> clothes you have ever. Ever Everything mismatched, everything like all the, and they would buy you a wardrobe. And that was the only thing you could wear. You could wear no makeup and your hair. Like, so you basically, they were like, you are going to rely on looking like a fucking weird idiot wearing these clothes, whatever. So that you get used to not relying on your looks. I hooked up with someone on to- while I was on topsy-turvy.
1: Okay. This girl is fucking good. It's sort of like, you know, how they used to shave the middle of the heads mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. the monks back in the day, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're not going to fucking slow me down. Um, the point is that I had all these experiences where it was like, what's your value? What's your interest? How are you attract? What's attractive about you? What are you attracting? I see a lot of this out in the world and you don't have the opportunity to do topsy-turvy. You don't have people forcing that on you. You don't, you know, the experience I had, the experiences I had were unnatural. And I'm grateful for them because it forced me to realize that I was not going to stay sober if I didn't work on this problem.
1: If what you've described in this episode feels like somebody listening, what would you say the best first step would be?
0: There are a bunch of quizzes, self-assessments online. Look up love addiction quiz. And there are a bunch of them, different ones. Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous has a, you can download for free, 40 questions. It's a PDF and you can check out their meetings, SLAA. And they also have Love Addicts Anonymous if you feel like the sex piece just doesn't ever come into play for you. Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous or Love Addicts Anonymous, they have self-assessment quizzes, all of it's free, and meetings and literature. Pia Melody was one of the first thought leaders on love addiction. So I highly recommend getting her book called Facing Love Addiction, Giving Yourself the Power to Change the Way You Love by Pia Melody. There's also a book called Is It Love or Is It Addiction? There's a love addiction workbook. There's a lot of literature out there and meetings and people that can help you work on this issue. And it doesn't mean you're not going to ever have sex or be in a relationship again. You know, it doesn't mean any of those things. It's just it's creating the space for you to do the work that would normally be done in between a breakups and a relationship. It gives you a lot of great information.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, um, I hope this might have been helpful for some folks. I have to imagine this could be a really critical part of of people's recovery, whether it's with this or in tandem with some other things going on. Ashley, is there anything that you want to leave the people with? Any last things?
0: If this episode resonated with you, I just want you to know, I know how difficult this is and how painful it can be, and that there's hope out there for anyone. And if you know someone who might benefit from this, from hearing this, please send them this episode. This is not a topic we talk about enough, and it affects so many people's lives. And self-esteem is something that's so important for all of us in every aspect of our life, whether we struggle with this particular problem or others, and it's attainable. So please, please, if this feels relevant to you, don't ignore it. We'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a diverse and supportive recovery community offering weekly over 70 online peer support meetings, useful recovery information, and entertaining content. Whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're recovering from something other than drugs and alcohol, we have space for you. Visit www.lionrock.life today and enter promo code Courage. For one month of unlimited peer support meetings free. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.